1: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called A Church for Real Life, which defines who River City Community Church is and what we do. We know that when the focus shifts to religion, tradition, being progressive, or anything else, we have lost the purpose that God has intended for His church. So what role does community and connections play within a biblically healthy church? The message today is called The New Community. Pastor Sean says, let's see what the Word says about community and relationships. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
1: If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm actually not going to get there for a little while, but I'm going to continue this series called A Church for Real Life. And I wanted to start in kind of a different way. I want to tell you why I love the church and why I'm such a fan of the church. Uh, Some people look at me and go, well, you're a pastor. See, it's kind of like you have to be. Well, that's not actually true. Um, I know a lot of pastors who aren't so much fans of the church uh, because their road uh, has not been a good one. It's been hard. And, you know, maybe some of that's their own doing. Maybe some of that's others. You know, you deal with people, tough stuff can happen. But I want to tell you that the church, for me, uh, I'm a fan because the church, really, on multiple occasions, I think, saved my life. I really think that. I think the church saved my life. Um, I think of when I was a kid and my dad uh, had an affair on my mom. And that began the kind of slow, difficult breakup of our family. And um, that was one of just the hardest Hardest times we'd ever walked through. But I have to tell you, I saw the church in a very different way. And we were part of a small church. It wasn't some, you know, great kind of what you would call high influence church by, I guess, you know, just standards that we tend to kind of evaluate. But it was just a great group of people who knew how to love Jesus and knew how to love people. And they came around us, and they included us, and they encouraged us, and they built us up. There were, there were men in the congregation who took interest in my brothers and I, and you know were role models, and just showed us what it looked like to be a godly man. And it was, um, it, it really did. It was during that time that I was actually called to the ministry. I knew God one day wanted me to be a part of helping to facilitate this thing called the church for others with my livelihood one day. And it really was. It was life-changing. And that's just one instance. There were, there were others. One that comes to mind was when we started this ministry. You remember we started a ministry called Real Life Ministries at first, but then that, we had this little small group of people that became the church. Well, at first, it was just Lori and I. And honestly, that's one of the hardest parts of starting something like that. God's given you a vision. I shared those principles with you and how different they were, the application of them. A lot of people couldn't understand what we were doing, thought we were doing it you know, in, in a way that was backwards and... They just didn't understand, and it was very lonely for us. Well, when we were able to connect with those other families, and I've told you about this, it was, you know, Willie and Rachel Mayfield, Joe and Debbie Willem, and Bruce and Deborah Witter, Mike and Kim Beckham, and some other folks who just became apart. They were those, that little small group that met in our home. And it was amazing how that became life-giving, and we weren't alone anymore. And that was Transformative. Just the not having to carry that weight alone, having a, a group of people who said, we, we're we praying about this, and we see what God's doing, and you're not crazy. God is going to do this. That's huge. That's powerful. I had people tell me, well, Sean, you're leading this ministry. You better be sure you're a part of something where you're being fed, you know, because you're always pouring out. You need to be fed. And honestly, um, I didn't feel like that because that group fed me spiritually, just Encouraged, shared the insights that God spoke to through them, through the word. And it, I found that time life-giving. I didn't find it draining. I found it strengthening and encouraging. And I just realized, man, I am committed to the church till the day I die because I realize what it can be, what it should be. I think every single one of us has something in us that leans that way because we are... We really are. We are made and we have this hunger for community. We love the idea of community. So many movies and and art that is, is kind of depicting community and people in the trenches together. There's something in us that longs for that, and yet we live in a world that is unbelievably divided. It's ugly how we see the division. Plastered all over media, plastered social media, news. You see it everywhere. Just these ugly divisions, and, and people are broken. I really think so. I think they are broken in many ways, and many have forgotten how to love and how to be loved. And that's one of the great tragedies of our day. We've lost the true idea of relationship and community. And that's where this calling for a church for real life comes from. Remember, it's out of John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy I came that it might have life and have it more abundantly. See, we've talked about a church for real life. It's all about Jesus. It's not about tradition, right? It's not about religious habits or practices. It's not about being up on the latest trends and songs and whatever. It is about Jesus. It is about him, people finding life in him, people becoming more like him, following Jesus. That's what a church for real life is all about. It's not really about anything else. We talked about how when you be- we-, we began to walk this journey, we had to learn to walk differently. And there were some disciplines and challenges. We learned the journey to real life is a journey of dependence. All the other things that we'd learned to depend on, Jesus was telling us, the Lord was telling us, I want you to learn to depend on me. And that was, that was a process. It was difficult. But it was a journey of dependence and of discipline. He says, I want to work on your character. I want to help you become the people that I've called you to be. And we t- talked about those principles that were so guiding and so fundamental in our development. And last week we looked at this idea, real life begins with the decision to follow Jesus. That's where it starts. It's all, it all starts there. But tonight I want to talk about this idea. Of, uh, tonight, it's like Saturday night. I'm, it's all a blur to me. You're like, it's not night, Sean. But we're here. <laughs> this morning, I want to talk to you about the new community. Jesus said this statement, and you've heard it before, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we hear that. We hear the word church, and we all these images come to mind. Oh, we know what church is. We get it. His first listeners that's the first time the word church is mentioned in scripture and those disciples did not know what he was talking about because it didn't mean what it means to us today that was a greek word that was used for kind of it was a civic word and it meant a community of people a citizens of a particular community the literal translation is the called out ones those who've been called out to form a citizenry if you will and so jesus is saying i will build my new community And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All the satanic forces in the universe will not be able to stop this new community that I'm going to build. We understand that new community is like us and believers. That's who we are. And so we get into the New Testament. Jesus is taken up. He pours out the Spirit. And they begin to go and form this ecclesia, this new community, the church. And the apostle Paul wrote a lot about the church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he's talking to a group of believers about how important these relationships are, why this matters. And he says to them, beginning at verse 11, he says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. And listen to verse 13. In return, and in parentheses it says, I speak to you, I speak as to children. He's not speaking down to them. He's not saying you're not smart enough or mature enough to hear what I'm saying. He's saying, like a father, in return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. And then he says these words. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And then he goes on and quotes, As God said, quote, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He's talking about this community that he wants to form, that has always been in his heart. And I love that it shows him speaking as a parent. He's, saying, he's speaking as a parent, and that's important. The Lord, through Paul, is speaking as a parent. And any parent... You know, when you talk about our associations, because that's what God is really saying. Your associations matter. It's really important. Every parent understands that. If you've had a high school, if you've had a child who you've raised through junior high or high school, you've had that moment when your kids start to hang out with some people that you go, oh, you know, I don't want to teach them to be mean or anything, but that kid is not good for my kid. They're not a good influence. I don't like what I'm seeing in my son or in my daughter because when they hang around them, they're just a little different. They treat us a little differently. They talk a little differently. You know what I'm talking about. That's the parent's heart. And, and by the way, every parent, we're right to do that. That's what we need to do. There are some associations that will be building and life giving to our kids, and there are some that just will not. And it is our job to help them make those choices wisely and help protect them in those vulnerable ages as they are growing to maturity. That's our
0: job. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called The New Community, which, by the way, is available right now on the sermon page in the series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org. There you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series.
1: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
0: And now back to the message, The New Community. This is radio for real life.
1: Well, that's what's happening right here. The Apostle Paul is writing. The Lord is actually speaking through him as a parent, saying, these associations matter. He uses the phrase, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, I heard that scripture a lot in youth group, right? because that's what it was about it was about us not dating non-christian girls because one day you're going to be yoked to one of the girls you marry and it's going to be marriage and you're not supposed to marry a non-christian and I understood that and I'd be sitting in my little youth group looking around and go, ooh, kind of slim pickings in here Mm." (laughs) I didn't say it out loud, okay I was not like that and sure, I was wrong, I'll give you that but it was what was going on in my head, you know and it's like, at the public high school, there's hundreds of girls, you know? It's like, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was offsides. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, they're telling me, they're like, okay, you cannot be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You shouldn't date non-Christian girls, you shouldn't. And you definitely don't want to marry a non-Christian girl. Which was totally, by the way, good wisdom. It was exactly right. Because when you're going to be yoked with someone, you, you know... You've got to walk together, and you better be sure that you're on the same page. So it was good counsel when it came to dating and when it came to marriage, and I share it freely today. That being said, that's not what that passage is specifically talking about. I think it includes that. I think it's a good application of it, but it's not to be limited to that. It's not a passage about marriage. It is talking about just close association. Yoked is the picture of binding together two oxen that are put together in a yoke. It's used regarding marriage, and I think that's a great application, but not specifically referring to it. In other words, business partners. Be careful who your business partners is. Because when you get linked up, yoked with someone in business, and you have one set of values, you say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to live my life a certain way. I want our business to run a certain way. And your partner goes, wait a minute, those aren't my values. That's not what I'm about. I don't think if we kind of look away over here, and if we skim a little off here, or if we under deliver a little bit here I, eh, it's not that big a deal everybody's doing it and you're like but i'm a follower of jesus i can't do that don't be unequally yoked don't be partnered with close, your closest friends you need to be very careful see it's this idea of you're connected with those people and he gives these hard contrasts he says what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness light and darkness how can you possibly be yoked how can you possibly be closely connected how about christ and belial that's from a, directly from a hebrew word that means literally worthless wicked it's at, by this time it becomes synonymous with satan or satanic things <clears throat> a believer and unbeliever the temple of god temple of idols you get the point he's saying how can you do that there's these conscious your associations matter In 1 Corinthians 5, beginning at verse 9, he talked to them about even within the church. Even within the church, he says, there can be people in the church who aren't for real. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And listen to this. This may seem a little confusing after what we just read. He says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world, or the greedy, the swindlers, idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. See, that's the difference between associating with and being yoked to. He's not saying we need to stop associating with people. He just says there's a very big difference in who you're yoked to. But he's saying within the body of Christ, be careful for those who pretend to be one way but are really another. Verse 11, he says, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? In other words, it's not not mine to judge the world. It's not those inside the church, though, who I am to to judge, if you will. God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. What he's talking about, he's not talking about a person who is struggling with a sin and who is repentant and wants to grow and become more like Christ. He's talking about a person who unashamedly says, Yeah, I want to be a, quote, Christian, but I have no interest in leaving these other areas of my life behind. He's talking about a person who's not really interested in being a follower of Jesus. And what he's saying is, don't let them, don't feed that fantasy. Don't allow that deception to go on. And this can seem really hard, but what I want you to understand crystal clear is God is not playing when it comes to relationships. They are critical. He takes our relationships extremely seriously. There's different levels of connection, and this is important. Not all relationships impact us the same way. There's those we are yoked to. There's those we associate with. Very different. Think about who I invest in. I can invest in all kinds of people. I can take the most ungodly person in the world, and, if I, and I want to help, I want to help see, be a facilitator for God's purpose in them. And so I can be a friend to them. I can encourage them. I can invest in them. And I think we should. But there's a difference between who I invest in and who I depend on. And that's a very serious dividing line. Who I receive counsel from. Who are my closest connections and associates. Who I yoke myself to, to use the scriptural word. And what we're hearing here is be aware of the power of association. That's why this new community matters. The power of association. In Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist says, Blessed... Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Our associations matter. And that's why, if you're taking notes, please write this down. It's so important. One of your most important decisions on the journey to real life is the decision to connect with God's people. Let me say that again. One of the most important decisions on the journey to real life is the decision to connect with God's people because we are relational at our core and we need relationships and we depend on them. Whether we admit it or not, we will. And choosing those relationships wisely is one of the most important decisions we will make. This is really the second decision on the journey to real life. Let's take a look at that graphic. Remember the five decisions, follow, connect, grow, serve, share. That's what this church is about. We, we, we call people to and support them in these five biblical decisions. It's our discipleship process. We started with follow, follow Jesus. And as I told you, that's kind of a little, we've hedged our bets a bit there. Because if you'll really do that one, it'll put you in the way of all the others. The Lord will lead you to all the others. Okay. But as a church, we work on balance and we work on being a a church that fully supports people in their discipleship journey by focusing on these five decisions. Follow, connect, grow, serve, share. And connect is such a key. Now, let me define that. Because I believe the first decision after you become a follower of Jesus, you commit your life to him and you profess him in water baptism, your public confession of faith, the first thing he does is he leads you to connect with the body of Christ. You're a family, if you will, for you to grow in. Because quite honestly, when we become a brand new follower of Jesus, we are spiritually Paul uses the phrase, "We're like babies." brand new, New to the faith, pure, just in love with Jesus. but you don't leave a baby outside the family. They've got to have a family. And that is one of the critical decisions. When I talk about connect, by the way, I'm talking about more than a weekly meeting. I'm not talking about the person who kind of, you know, wants to get get on God's good side, you know. I don't want to be on the bad side of the man upstairs, so I'm going to check my box once a week and kind of stop in a church and sit in the back pew, and, you know, and I'm going to do the deal, okay? No offense to you in the back, you're fine, okay? And we don't even have pews, so you're good to go. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about checking boxes here. I'm talking about connection. Okay? Committing to one another in love. Because listen to what John wrote in his epistle, 1 John 3, beginning at verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one, was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. It was just jealousy. Do not be surprised, brothers. Note how often he uses that word. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love. Okay, so he's saying, love your brothers and here's how you know what love is. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed and in truth. That's what it means to love one another. I mean, he's, he's serious. He's like, you want to know what it means to love one another? Love your brothers and sisters? Um, Jesus laid down his life for us. And we all know that because we know the cross. That's why we're able to be here. He paid the penalty for our sins. He laid down his life for us. And he said, yeah, that's what love looks like, so do that with one another. Lay down your life for one another. He says, yeah, love is, if you've got resources and one of your brothers or sisters is in need and you can help them, do it. Because if you don't, and you just let your brother or sister suffer, how can the love of God be in you? So he's getting real rubber meets the road kind of practice here. I like to use the definition for love Of an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. An unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what love means. And that's what we mean when we talk about connect. See, when we talk about connect in the body of Christ, love unconditionally a body of people full of imperfect people and you know guys this is the thing people go and they leave churches mad all that and someone said this I'm going to I'm going to leave you know they do the you you seen it you've experienced that here's the thing man there is no perfect church and I've told you before if you ever find a perfect church don't go there cuz you'll screw it up <laughs> you will cuz you're not perfect neither am I seriously i mean I, I i wish there was a way maybe that i could like um offend all of you in the first week that you're here. Okay. You know, you're like, well, you're doing good. You're on, on track. No, I mean, I mean, seriously, because people come into a new church, they, 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 it's different than their old church. And they love the music. They come to the river and say, Oh, we love the music. Maybe they like my message or one of the other pastors messages. Oh, the message was good. We found the perfect church. No, you haven't. You found a church full of regular people, imperfect people who've chosen to commit to God and to one another. And somebody is going to offend you. That's why I say. If I could just get it over in the first week, it'd be great. And we could get on with really doing life together. Somebody's going to say something stupid to you. And you're going to get all offended. Well, they're going to say, <laughs> Some small group leader is going to say something. How dare you? I do You're going to want to be out. And here's the part. And I want to burst these bubbles really gently here. You're going to say something stupid to someone else. Okay. That's going to happen because you're just a regular person who, on a given day, someone catches you in the wrong way, and you're going to say something stupid or careless or something, and it's going to hurt their feelings. Love is an unconditional commitment to imperfect people, and that's what we're talking about when we say connect. In the body of Christ, we recognize God's fellowship for, for us, and we plant and say, I'm going to connect. I'm going to commit to these people, but they're not perfect. I know, neither am I, so it's a good fit. And we do it. And we let God's grace lead us. That's what I'm talking about when I say connect.
0: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called The New Community or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on a church for real life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.